everyone, and welcome to Televisions, the podcast, an audio companion to the Televisions website and a show made by Anglophiles for Anglophiles. I am Lacey Bogger Milas, and I'm the editor here at Televisions. It's been a day, y'all, is all I'm saying. So thank goodness I have my co-host and partner in crime, Miss Eddie Bundle, along for the ride with me. Hello. Hello. How are you today, other I than mean, having a day? It's a day. I, mean, I know. I mean, the the joys of doing this in our in our homes always provides for intriguing challenges. Plus, I had to take the boys to the vet this morning for their shots, and they've been punishing me all day ever since. Well, so. um, my 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 Baker my brilliant, hit under two different beds. My my brilliant and genius husband managed on his way out the door to shut Charlotte in the bathroom, and oh, no. um, so and I didn't realize because I had had my headphones on and was watching screeners all morning. So at lunchtime, I'm. I only have two cats, and I hear this tiny little mew, mew, mew. Aww. And finally, See, I... Baker and Hammer would literally just, like, if they... Enca- you guys have probably heard this on the show before. When they encounter that the door is closed, they literally will just start, like, running into it until someone opens it, so... Nope, nope. I would have heard them, is what I'm saying. She was sitting in the shower just going, mew, mew, mew. It was the saddest little thing. Oh, what a little lady. <laughs> <laughs> so what are we talking about today? Um, not our cats, sadly. <laughs> Television's the cat podcast coming soon. Uh, we are returning to uh, something that I hope we figure out how to get on the schedule a little bit more regularly, because now that we're about to do our second one, I'm like, oh, I love this. It is our Classics Revisited series, which is where we take a show that's maybe not so modern and maybe we haven't watched in a while and we watch it and we talk about it. And for our first one, we did Jane Eyre. Uh, with Ruth Wilson and this time we are going to do one of my all-time favorite period dramas which I've I know also a uh, someone wrote into us and asked us to do this one so I hope even though I don't remember who that was that you are excited as I am to talk about this because it is the BBC miniseries North and South and for those of you who may be really American and have not seen this no we are not talking about like the six-part drama that starred Patrick Swayze is about the American Civil War very different north and south that is a very different north and south have also seen that that was kind of a foundational thing in my childhood as well patrick swayze man r.i.p anyway different north and south no this is this is north and south is in england's north and south as in you know idyllic southern england that sort of you know genteel and and dirty industrial northern england yeah factories and they're poor children. Um, I, I, have, uh, I love North and South, you guys. I have to say, like... Love it. Okay, so for for, for those of you who, who don't listen to D- Lacey on a daily basis, um, Lacey's love of North and South is kind of legendary. Like, she has been talking about doing this basically since we launched the pod. I really hadn't watched it in so long, Joe. I watched all of four episodes of it yesterday, and... It holds up, too. Because, you know, sometimes when you love, like, a thing, and then you watch the thing again, and you're like, oh... Well, I was 12 or whatever. I was definitely not 12 when this came out because this came out in 2004 and I am old. But um, it really it really held up for me. It's a it's a class story. It's of course, it's a romance. It's got issues like real social issues instead of just sort of the way that a lot of our period dramas nowadays try to insert social issues by like having servants. <laughs> it's I don't know it's really it's just good it's very romantic it's very uh I am always a sucker for the trope of like they hate each other but secretly love each other which is this has got big like Darcy and Elizabeth vibes for me between John and Margaret and 
It basically follows the story of a young woman named Margaret Hale, who, as Andy said, lives in southern England in this sort of bucolic, beautiful family estate called Hellstone, which, I mean, girl, maybe we should think about the fact that your house is literally called Hellstone as to why you have problems with it. <laughs> but just saying, um, her father is a clergyman who decides to leave the clergy. So they are forced to move north to the fictional town of Milton, which basically is just kind of a stand-in for any <laughs> any sort of ye olden days northern town you can think of. Like, it's full of factories. The air is dirty. Everyone is poor and dressed in, like, semi-raggedy clothes. People look uh, people from the South look down on them because they're very capitalist and into trade. And Margaret is, of course, very unhappy. She doesn't know anyone. These people are very different from the people she's used to. The society is very different from the society she's used to. Everybody is extremely capitalist, like, 24-7. Uh, and then she meets John Milton, a extremely no, smoky John hot. Oh, John Milton is the town. John yes. Milton is also a great dude, but <laughs> for a different reason. Paradise Lost, y'all. Anyway, John Thornton is Richard Armitage at his like most smoking hot. Seriously. And he's all like broody and tortured because he's a capitalist trying to like support his mom and his sister through his cotton mill. And, and he has a hot northern accent, which is like almost uh, yeah, it's just it, it it's, it's startling. truly the hottest he's ever been <laughs> from the shallow end of the pool here. Like if you don't love John Thornton, even though sometimes he's kind of a jerk, but at least he's a jerk that learns. So he's not a complete loss, and he's really hot. Um, so here's the thing about North and South. Um, ever since you have brought this up to me and like been talking about it, every time you bring it up, my first thought is, did I watch North and South? Like At first, I couldn't remember it. And then I looked it up, and I realized that it had, it had aired in 2004, which was one of the worst years of my life. So I was like, well, if I did watch it, I just don't remember it at all. Um, though I may just have totally skipped it. So I sat down to watch, not yesterday, but a few days ago. And then I hit that first scene where she walks into the mill and he goes up uh, and and she sees him for the first time. And it's like and the cotton trash is like wafting through the air. It, it's like it, 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 it's but it's, bo- it's both horrendous and beautiful. It is noisy. It is it is it is it is it is horrifying. It is also gorgeous like the cotton is floating through the air like snow and like sparkles in the air and then john thornton walks by and he has like cotton in his hair and then he sees a dude who is smoking which is really really dangerous because hello there is cotton floating in the air i mean the entire building is just like 1000 percent flammable right so he <laughs> chases after the guy and like beats the crap out of him and that's literally how to she be beats fair, him. perhaps a slightly more violent response than may have been strictly necessary in that moment but yeah not the traditional meat cute yeah and she and she is completely horrified and runs away and i realized that that scene has been quietly lodged in my brain somewhere since 2004 and suddenly i realized that yes i did remember this show and i did love this show when i watched it i had just forgotten it completely but like yeah after that it was sort of like oh yeah and like john thornton's terrible awful mother who's played by a who turns out to like not be so bad she just doesn't express herself well like yeah like i i I remember absolutely hating her she's played by Sinead 
uh, Sinead Cusack. Um, and she's, she's one of the most memorable characters also. Um, she, um, char- uh, people who have not watched North and South, but have but watched like more recent television will probably remember her from Marcella. She's a, which is a, over on Netflix. Um, I also had forgotten about like her parents, Margaret's parents, which is uh, Tim Pickett Smith, who um, most people will probably remember from, I don't know, like Bletchley Circle or something. But honestly, every time I see him, I think of him as Charles from King Charles three, because um, that was the last role he played before he passed. I mean, this this show is truly full of like, hey, it's that guy. People yeah. Our queen. Leslie Manville is in this. Yeah, she plays the mom. She plays Margaret's mom. Um, and gosh, she's so young in this. It's like kind of weird because I remember when I watched this, I thought of her as kind of like, you know, old. she's playing old. She's playing the mom. Right, and actually, no, like, I'm like, God damn, she's young. Um, let's see, who else is in this? Uh, Joe Joyner is in this. Like, it is just insane how um, many... Brendan Coyle is, oh, like, my the, gosh. Head, the head union dude. Because, like I said, a lot of the story is about how, of course... This is a period drama. It's a romance. Margaret and John get together by the end. Although this is one of those extremely frustrating period drama romances where they literally get together with three minutes left. But they get together at like because at a, at a way station in the train. Like what the hell? Oh, it's actually we're gonna talk about that in a minute because I actually super love I super love that ending. Even though I wish it was longer than three minutes, but uh, you know, a big part of the story is their romance and and well, not even their romance. Them realizing that they're in love with each other is a huge part of the show. But it's also, like I said, this is a period drama that's really about a lot of the social and class issues of the time. And one of the big subplots is that the mill workers and Milton are trying to unionize. And they, or actually, I guess they technically have unionized. They're trying to have, they're trying to hold a strike for better working conditions, better pay, and they all like coordinate together to try to get the different mills in the area to pay more. And, and a lot of the show is about confronting like the poverty of the people who are not like the rich capitalists in Milton and the conditions that they have to live in and opening John's eyes to that. These workers are people and that he, you know, of course he like becomes friends with Brendan Coyle's character, whose name is like Higgin- Higgins. Yeah. Higgins and Higgins has the daughter Bessie, who um as a child who 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 is a child worker in the mill who became very sick because she got a disease in her lungs from inhaling all the cotton fibers when she was little, and she's basically like, oh, it's okay, I'll just never be old. It's she just spends the whole show like <laughs> tragically dying and then dies. Um, <laughs> and oh, by the way, that's Anna Maxwell Martin. Um, oh, that's why she looked familiar. This show is so full of hey, hey, it's that guy, people, right? Like, um, I think the last thing she she was in, she was Beelzebub in a uh, Good Omens. That's the last thing I think I saw her in. Like, I, I, I this is such a, a show of that guys and and those people. It's really like such a great classic feeling period drama. I mean, I love it because I love the relationship between John and Margaret. I love how. I love how them learning to be together, how them coming together helps them both become better people in addition to getting together. And I love that it actually is a show that tries to say something that's bigger than just about the relationship at the center of it. I love, I just love all of it. Um, It's so good. I also, um, one of the, uh, one thing that you didn't mention is that um, even though Margaret basically is destined to be with John. We all know this from the beginning is that she actually does have other suitors as well. Um, oh, Henry, whatever. Um, <laughs> um, basically, Henry- so, I, uh, she, 
John like proposes to her in like the second episode, and it's not like a great proposal by any stretch of the imagination, but it's just so sad when she's like, heck no. I mean, of course, at that moment, she should say heck no, because it's a story and we have to get there or whatever, and we can't have two episodes of them being happy together because no one loves me, but... Yeah. yeah. No, um we have Henry Lennox who is sort of the other suitor who proposes he actually proposes to Margaret before they leave to go up north. Um she when when uh towards the end of the ep- towards the end of the series when she's gone back to London and she realizes that she no longer fits in in southern society and she wants to go back to the north. Um she asks him to go with her as her financial advisor and he hears financial advisor in, you know, quotation marks as does everyone else in the house. Like a romance. <laughs> and then he has to sit there in the train while she sits there making out with John Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's so great. And then he hands her her bag. Like, right? Like, <laughs> he's like, later, girl. He's like, yeah, okay, financial advisor was actually financial advisor. Bye. <laughs> um, I also really love the fact that there are, like, real historical things that happen in this show. Like, mm. um... Fans of Victoria will remember that the great exhibition of 1851 was a recent plot point towards the end of the series. And we actually get to see the great exhibition in this show in the same way. Um, and it's kind of a it, it's actually a, a tipping point because it's the reason that John Thornton comes back down to London after um, Margaret has gone down there. And she actually gets to see him among like the, the London society and realize like how what a great person he is compared to like London society. Who, of course, are all rude and horrible to him. Um, Especially Henry. Yeah, Henry is a jerk. <laughs> he, he, he just, I, I mean, it's just, it's one of those things where, like, I know I'm, I, I know that he, the, the actor who plays him, I'm, uh, who is it, John Light, I think, is, uh, is technically handsome, but like next to, ne- next to Richard Armitage, he doesn't even stand a chance. I mean, I'm sorry, standing next to peak Richard Armitage, he has nothing. <laughs> like, <laughs> sorry, it's not your fault, sir. Um, I do also, um. I, I know I said before that there's a very like Lizzie and Darcy vibe from John and Margaret, which I think isn't intentional. This is I haven't actually read the book that this uh, series is based on. I feel like I, I, I feel like I'm surprised. I'm surprised that I have not, but I have not. Um, and I should. So I don't know if like some of this is also addressed in the book and more in depth. But like one of the I'm always a sucker for a Lizzie and Darcy star relationship anyway. But I actually really like that. um I feel like North and South does a slightly better job of of actually showing us a bit more of like John's perspective about why he is the way he is. And it's because, you know, he had like a tragic childhood. He's the only person supporting his mom and his sister. He has a very unhealthy relationship with his mother. But, you know, I mean, it's a genuine like it's like you can see how that developed because you get to see, I think, a little bit more than sometimes you normally do in stories like this of like the male character. Like, I think Margaret's a great heroine, but I also think he's a great hero Out, yeah. outside of just being smoking hot. Like, he's actually a great character. Um, I, I, I do think I... I as someone as as someone who had not remembered the show at all until I started rewatching it, um, I was a little 
I don't want to say annoyed, but I could feel the show making excuses for him in some places when he behaves like a jerk and not just like and and, and not just like the thing where like he beats the he beats the dude within an inch of his life and throws him out for smoking. Like, yes, okay, he's trying to save the lives of everybody else, but he also just beat a dude. Um, And there's there's a lot of those. There's a lot of those kinds of things like he acts like a complete jerk, but he's doing it for the right reason. No. Like you don't actually have to be a jerk, right? And um, I, I I do think that there is there is quite a bit of that throughout the first few episodes that get kind of glossed over towards the end. But, but then again, Richard Armitage is, as you put it, so smoking hot that he is sort of give a pass. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> I, I will. Sorry, I, guys. I know we're trying to analyze this, but also we just keep getting derailed by how attractive. John Thornton is. I actually wanted to. One thing you did say that I wanted to pick up is that you you noted that a lot of times in in more uh, in more modern uh, masterpiece pieces and like period pieces, we we try to as you put it, they they try to have issues by quote unquote you know including servants. Yeah, um, I do think Dixon is not a great example of that because she's like, I love my. I love my masters so much. Yeah. I will break the law and stay with them until death. Like that's a little uh, that that's a little much, but <laughs> I, I I wanted to bring that up because one of the things that we one of the reasons that we get like the servant class getting ad- added into period pieces so much now is because of Downton Abbey, and it's because the the upstairs downstairs dynamic of Downton Abbey worked so well. But as people who've watched the Downton Abbey movie will notice, these servants are a little bit on the you know parochial side here of the we love our masters so much, and Dixon <laughs> we re- want to work more right. That's and- my favorite thing from the movie. They're like, why will you? not let us do this work um addiction <laughs> very much feels like 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 mm, she's cut like the from the grandmother this, of that yeah she she she's basically like the forerunner of like mrs patmore uh, yeah <laughs> like very much so. and and this is not a knock I, like i think that pulling crook does a great job with her but she's also a little bit of a thankless role it, it is too and it's one of those things we're watching it i'm like am i supposed to be reading this like she's in love with her, I don't know. I don't. That's me more like looking at it now with like a more modern eye. I think. I think. But, if, I think with a more modern eye, you would actually think that Miss Dixon is, um, in some way in has love. Some, has some feelings. Caught some feelings. Yeah, for 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 the mistress of the house. But you know, this being two thousand four, and there is a real old fashioned sense to this. There really is the music. Like the I, the music is beautiful. Don't get me wrong, but it's like you di- like the that one theme that plays every and time like wells every time like margaret and john are near each other yeah one thing i do think is really interesting about this story and again i wish i i really need to read this book i i had forgotten that it was based on a book but um because i think what one of the things it does that's so different from what a lot of other stories like this do is that it does poke in a very different way at issues of class because usually in shows like this they're Either everyone is very rich, like rich enough that genteel poverty is still rich. Yeah. Or, you know, they're very or they're servants who are very clearly of a class a step down. I feel like Margaret's father's a clergyman. That's not like they have like a family house that has a name or whatever. But I got the sense from when she went back to visit it that it had been given to the new vicar. So that was just maybe where the person who held this job lived. My grandmother used to refer to that as the Tide Cottage. But so I feel like they're very not. I, and clearly like the Thorntons are all are all like 
money grubbing strivers, basically. Like and, they're and, very and, capitalist. They're very business and trade oriented. Like they're not upper class either. Yeah, the the whole but the thing is is that they think of Margaret and her family as being upper class partly because the clergy are a, sort of a class unto themselves mm. and it this is something that we don't have here in the states which is that the clergy But it's also not like they're like the Crawleys. No, no, they're not like the Crawleys. Vicars are a bit, vicars and clergymen are sort of like are like high upper are like high middle class. Think of them as high middle class. They sort of step outside the class system and instantly get elevated, but like don't actually like they're, well, they're because both they're not like they're not like money grubbing in that same way. Right. I'm you, I keep saying money grubbing, but I don't really mean it as like the pejorative that it sort of sounds like. Like they're very what is it they call them in the, like the first episode? Like they're very focused on making their business a success. Yeah. However. <laughs> Margaret's mom calls it. But, you know, they're very, like, capitalist and they're very business-oriented in a way that most characters in shows like this, like, nobody would... I mean, but Robert probably doesn't the, know how business works. The, the class resentment in this show, especially as it comes out against Margaret, like, in the Thornton family, because both, both the mother and the sister dislike her a lot and it's because they assume in a way that she is looking down at them and she's mm. not she's even really though no- fanny is out here just trying to marry a rich man right like i mean no shade girl go get your money but and seriously she does and then she like gets all on her brother because her brother didn't make money like it's yeah um like fa- f- i i f- Fanny is such a contradiction because she's so like so self-aware that she's not upper class and yet she's striving like mad to make that money and she succeeds. But she has to do it in the way that a woman does it because she can only do it by getting married. Like she's not striving to move up in class the same way her brother is because he's like, I'm going to get rich in trade. And, And she even says it. Her husband Watson says a man should make his own way. Um, and that they're not going to give him any money, basically. And there's a, I, I actually, I'm the thing that I thought of is, you know how we talk about when people like how how about sending the ladder back down. Fanny is the ultimate pull on the ladder right back up behind her. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that is true. I don't know. I just think it's really interesting the way that that this show does explore things like class resentment and class status in a way that, because like I said, normally it's like. Here are some really rich people hunting and doing other rich people things, you know, or or like if they I love the consistency of how Margaret takes food baskets to poor people or people who are worse off than she is. And in and she does it in a very non demonstrative, non like performative way where I feel like if that was, you know, Lady Mary doing it, it would be a big. Oh, yes, it absolutely would be. It would be a production that everyone she knew would have to know about the one time. I, I will note that we have gotten this far into the discussion and we have not ta- talked about the other Hale family member. We've talked about mom and dad. We've talked about Margaret, but we have not talked about Frederick. Oh, right. I had honestly completely forgotten about that part of the story. No, actually, when it fi- when when the whole show came back to me, 
I suddenly remembered that part because the sort of mystery around like Frederick, it was actually my favorite part the first time I watched it. And like the whole like, really? will he be will he be able to get will they be able to sneak him in to see his mother before she dies? Will they get him back out again? Will they be caught? Like that was the thing that really sort of um, other than the romance like that part also. And that's, I think, sort of the thing about North and South is that it has all of these different factors. Like it has a little bit of a thriller to it along with the class stuff and along with the romance. I mean, he does accidentally like kill a dude. Yes, exactly. And there's like a <laughs> cop going around like asking questions and like Thornton and like Margaret has to lie to the police and then like Thornton has to kind of cover it up. John lies to the cops for her. Get you a man who will lie to the police for you. <laughs> In a sexy northern accent. Also true. That would be a bonus. <laughs> Um, so the only, uh, the only other thing that I would note about this that I, I feel, uh, should, we should bring up is the fact that the, the, the actress who plays Margaret is actually not someone who has done a lot since North and South. And I actually, before we started recording, I said that I was really mad about that because I think, um, cause I, cause I think she's really, she's so wonderful in this role. Like she's just such a good actress and I feel like this is the kind of show that should be a springboard into being like, I couldn't even remember, I couldn't even remember her name. It's Daniela Denby Ash. I was like, she's the girl who played Margaret on North and South. Like that's not her name. And I feel like I should know her name. Yeah. Um, after this, she did Waterloo Road. And then she basically like took off for several years and she only just came back recently to acting. Um, so I'm hoping that we might actually see her more. I'm hoping that she sort of gets like, you know, worked back into. I, I know that there isn't actually a company of BBC players, but I, sometimes it really does feel like there is. I mean, it really does feel like that. Right? I would love to see her get to do something else, especially because, like you said, this this is a period drama that, even though it was released in 2004, does have a very, um, like, old school vibe. Yeah. So I would really like to see her in maybe one of, like, the kinds of period dramas we're seeing more of now that are much, you know, sharper and have a more modern sensibility, perhaps. But I do think Margaret is such a great heroine. Like... I love her. I also think, um, you know, one of the when when we did the Jane Eyre, my first response when we got on was to say, you know, God, they don't make them like that anymore. Um, North and South doesn't give me that vibe. I mean, even though it is definitely kind of a throwback, it is in four three. If you're watching it on PBS Passport, um, or randomly catch it on like uh one of the digital channels. Yeah, our station airs it sometimes. Um, I actually ran into it like randomly after we, like right after we just decided we were going to do this episode like I ran into like a random like I think it was like episode three or something I was just kind of like oh hey look north and south it's following me yeah I think we were <laughs> literally just airing it on like Friday nights on Weedy UK if I recall correctly um so yeah like I, I it, it, it does feel even though it has a lot of that old school sensibility of an older like um masterpiece you know piece you know like it's wall-to-wall white people it's very much like it doesn't it's very much of its time in period dramas that way it also could be made today and probably look like that and still get away with it on a lot of levels Mm. well it doesn't have like the long tracking shots really that like jane Eyre has no no, it doesn't. It doesn't have that sort of like misty watercolor like look to it the way that Jane Eyre does. Yeah, I mean, like the the mill the mill scenes do look really 
beautiful, but also it's because they're very alien looking at the same time. But this is also the same show that like, then is like, this man drowned himself. And he's literally like, here's his purple body. So it's not exactly like a, um, a watercolor. Yeah. It's like, these kids are starving. Um, I do like how honest it is about that, though. It is one of my favorite things about it. And it's like, these people are really like, they're, Maybe just because I've been reading a lot about, like, Striketober and how many people, like, today are still fighting for, like, decent wages and working conditions. But I really, like, I was very invested this time around in the in the mill workers and them trying to, like, hold their strike together. And then that dumb expletive who, like, throws a rock at Margaret's head and there goes their chance at, like, a better future. Yeah, it it, it, it can, it, I, I, I do think that, you know, 20 years ago in 2004 um was ah, sort of duh, like, don't say it like that <laughs> sorry i i could say more like 17 years ago would that make you feel uh, better because that's no, probably not because i still seem to think that 2000 is like 10 years ago which is not true but that's because i'm old no that's not true baby um the uh the thing is is that like that was sort of the nadir of of unions and you know this that was very much like the carryover from the anti-union age, the anti-union feeling of the 80s. And that was when it had a literal generation had sort of never really understood what unions could do for them. And so I think there's a level that especially, uh, you know, when I watched it the first time, like the union stuff didn't really register in a way. And it did this time. And I think mm-hmm. that's a lot about where we are as a society and how much our society has changed since this was made. And actually, if anything, that's kind of an argument to revisit this. I love the part where John is like giving Higgins the advice to like buy food in bulk and serve it together and like make money that way. <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> yeah, uh, but I, I would I would wonder what a North and South adaptation for the 2020s would look like. Um, since we are getting them for 20 years and people do seem to make things every 20 years. I'm just saying <laughs> they kind of. Yeah, I mean, it is one of those things that I think this is the only adaptation of it. No, it is. This is the only adaptation yeah. I looked. Um, that's one of the things I always look up is uh, so I can tell you what the other adaptations are. And I was like, oh, hey, look, there aren't any. <laughs> well, I. I don't know because this book because I, I did I did look up the book that it is based on which is also called North and South it's by Elizabeth Gaskell um, was written in the 1800s like the mm-hmm. mid 1800s so I just that's always shocking to me when it's actually it is actually a contemporary novel of its time because it's set in like 1851 that was the grand exhibition um, so this is literally like a this is literally a contemporary novel of its time. Um, which I think actually is part of the reason why it feels so genuine in a way. Mm, yeah. It doesn't have like, it doesn't have like that sort of either rosy or nostalgic sort of scrim we put on things like when we're writing about stuff that happened in the past. Yeah, no, like Elizabeth Gaskell was writing a social novel of the time about the time. Um, so yeah, like there, it, there have been, um... She does have other like uh, novels that she wrote, like Wives and Daughters. Um, but I, uh, this one I think is basically sort of like the only one that's really industrial revolution based. Um, I wish, um, I often wish sometimes when you get to stories like this, because for some reason, 
people seem to think that the story just ends when the couple gets together and like we're not interested in seeing their lives after they admit they love each other uh, fyi y'all are very wrong um but i wish this this series more than almost any other i wish there was an episode five because I really would have loved to see like what happened when they went back north and like whether Margaret becomes like like the real sort of partner that I want her to be because she does ugh, her little I love their scene at the trade station so much and he brought her dumb flower back from Hell House. But um the part where she's like she's she's so deliberately like no no i've come up with a business plan <laughs> and i a it's adorable and b i just um like in my head in the in the fanfic sequel that i have written in my head um like you know i want to know like i know how that story goes when i would write if i were writing it but like i would love to know like does she really become that kind of partner to him in in their home life and their work life or or does she just like i can't see her hanging out at home with mom so no i i, I kind of can't either though i do admit that i would love to have seen hannah thornton's face when they came back especially <laughs> since she had since she makes it so clear that she is not a fan of margaret I know, but i feel like there's like this begrudging respect thing there at is the end, there is but... but at the same time like ha- the, the, the scene where hannah basically is like well i told your mother i'd tell you if you were doing wrong and you are doing wrong right like is just it, it's such a it's such a hard to come back from moment in a relationship like especially when she's like no i'm glad you turned down my son <sighs> get out right like <laughs> it, it's he so- just made this weird like snorting face in her microphone and i just it's so weird i, I so totally like i love i love hannah thornton on some level like i don't think they're gonna be besties like she's one of those characters that you sort of love to hate um even though like she's actually like like she's actually does love her son very much and she does very much want the best for him but she's so twisted up right like it's just and 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 he's sort of twisted too like they're you know like therapy for everyone (laughs) which is also again why i would love to see like one more episode here because i do although i firmly want to believe that he has realized the error of his ways in a lot of uh, respects like in a lot of in a lot of ways as respects his relationship to margaret like i do think there is gonna be a mutual like learning curve there that i would really just i would really just have liked to see that play out yeah this is this is a lesson to you that you should not also because this is a four-hour show and you give me like three minutes of them being together yeah, yeah. You can't you can't this is not this is a story that ends on the happily ever after because that's where it's supposed to end. But I have to say that honestly, it would do better not to. It would do better to do a little bit more Bridgertoning of a of of well, maybe not quite like episode six, but you know, giving us a little bit more than that. <laughs> um this is a BBC production. If if you if you if you want to know what people want, do we want to end with three minutes to go? No, we want Bridgerton. Okay, maybe not episode six, but we want Bridgerton. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I also just like you know, I think that that as we see over the course of the show, like how much both of them have legitimately kind of evolved and changed as people. Mm-hmm. And I would really like the chance to see what that looks like with for them as a couple. You know, because I think I think the Margaret and John that get together at the end of the show have a very different relationship than the Margaret and John 
would have if they'd gotten together in the second episode, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. Like, they are much different people. Like, Margaret has sort of grown up and realized that the South isn't this, like, ideal place that she thought it was. And John sort of realizes that, like, you know, she's not the she she's not the stuck up person he thought she was. And that, like, th- th- there's a whole there's a whole thing that the two of them have sort of, like, realized that their assumptions about North and South we're wrong and that's part and of not why just like getting... that and not just and, and it's one of those things where north and south means the regions but also them as people <laughs> you know like it's it's really like it's it's actually really i think very well done i just would like to see like it just leaves me assuming that it all turned out okay which i am assuming that it all turned out okay but i would really like to have seen what that final product looked like I'm curious. I, I, so do you think if we did, if there was a modern adaptation of North and South, if Masterpiece announced that they were remaking North and South for, I don't know, 2024, 2025, do you think that they, do you think they would actually keep going after the kiss? I don't know. I, I, I would think it would depend on who made it. Okay. I don't think Masterpiece is super into like uh, crafting its own endings as much as some other. Hello, networks. Sanditon. Well, yeah, but Sanditon <laughs> I think is a very special case. Okay. That's true. Um, I'm just saying. Because, I mean, it would basically be like taking another, uh, I don't know, take like Emma and put like a epilogue onto Emma. Mm. Like, I don't think they would do that. I don't Maybe know. Not. I would really, I, I would really not be mad if if someone did a remake and and maybe kept it going a little further past their admittedly very adorable train station reunion i'm sorry it's just like in the movie sliding doors like where people are looking at each other like across like from the subway tracks i'm just a sucker i'm a sucker you guys basically this is code for i don't know if north and south fanfic exists but if it does you should send me links to it i wouldn't be surprised there's everything is on ao3 there's fanfic for everything on AO3. There's a difference between, like, you know, there being hundreds of fics and there being five. Okay. So but there probably are at least five. <laughs> I would read them. Maybe I'll look. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll do some Googling. Maybe Janet would know where they are. Maybe. Janet does know these things. I would love to know her take on this show, too. Um. Anyway. Uh, final thoughts? Did you... Did you enjoy it? Did I raise your expectations too high by my, like, obviously nostalgically tinged love of it? Um, I have to say that, like, I I expected not to have watched it. I expected it to have been a thing that I had skipped due to, like, 2004 being a terrible year. And realizing I had seen it and that I did actually remember it was uh, actually, for me, quite... I, I felt really great. I I loved being reminded that I had seen this and sort of coming back to it after I'd completely sort of erased it from my mind. And so for me, like coming back and watching this was like, I don't know, it was nice. I liked it. And I'm really glad. I'm really glad that it's on PBS Passport. And I really That's hope right. that every... But that's we forgot the 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 other part of this, which is we watch things that we hope that we can tell you guys where to find. And North and South is on PBS Passport currently and will be for quite some time. Yeah, I think so. I believe it also is on BritBox for those of you who watch there. But as we are a PBS product, PBS Passport is our number one choice. Um, Yeah, obviously I loved it. I really had forgotten how much I loved John and Margaret together. Like I, I hadn't watched it the whole way through in a while. Um, And I know Richard Armitage like aged really well. He really has. Um, If you can get past the weird Hobbit beard, he's great in that. But... <laughs> Yeah, the Thor and Oaken shield hair is just he he and he and Aiden, and Aiden Turner are the hot 
uh, are the hot dwarves. The hot bits, the hot hobbits, hot bits. Get <laughs> no, it? they're not hobbits. They're dwarves. Oh, right. It's just the movies called the Hobbit. I've not seen the Hobbit in forever either, but um, <laughs> they're dwarves. That's right. They sing mountain songs. Yes. Anyway, um, I, I'm remembering correctly that his hair in that is a journey. It is. So. His hair is. He, everyone's hair in the Hobbit is a journey. Except for Benedict Cumberbatch, who just had a mocap suit on, but whatever. Um, anyway. That is our our second installment of Classics Revisited on a near and dear favorite to my heart. So go watch North and South on PBS Passport if you haven't seen it in a while. Um, I think you might be surprised by how well it holds up because I was. Um, I was like, yes, I still love this. Because, you know, there's honestly nothing worse than watching a thing that you remember really liking and then watching it now and being embarrassed. But I was not. I was very happy. Um, I hope you all will be, too. Okay, if you have suggestions for things we should watch, reasons I should read Elizabeth Gaskell's book, parentheses, suh, more than one, um, send us an email, televisions at WETA.org, and tell us all about it. Also, I will take your fanfic, Rex. I'm not kidding about that. But uh, anyway, Annie. Tell the people where to find you on the internet. Uh, you can find me at Annie Bundle on Twitter. You can find me at Miss Annie Bundle on Facebook. You can find very fuzzy, fluffy pictures of my kittens at Annie Bundle on Instagram. Um, I am a staff writer at Elite Daily and a the associate editor here at Televisions. Plus, I freelance around the web. So, you know, if you want my opinions on things like Spencer um, and uh, Eternals, you can basically just follow me on Twitter and I will be retweeting my bylines so then you'll be able to find everything that i've been writing about which also right now includes grandchester and baptiste and doctor who and the great british baking show because i am a jergen i'm sorry we might we're gonna have to do like a whole episode just to talk about our feelings about jergen seriously um, i love him so much i i i, I need a jergen and 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 giuseppe spinoff where the two of them travel around europe like i know i just want them to like travel around europe and eat things together anyway seriously. save that for the episode that we should do on on this season of the bake off when it's over anyway um i am lacy mb on twitter that is l-a-c-y-m-b I write here a lot at televisions and also around the entertainment web, but I always tweet my bylines so you can find out what I'm yelling about today or looking for fan fiction recs for uh, there. If you just want my cat pictures, my cats are on Instagram at Baker and Hammer. They just went to the vet this morning, so they're mad at me right now, but uh, maybe they won't be by the time this episode actually airs. Uh, televisions is a product of weta.org and if you like what we do you can visit us at televisions.org click on the donate button to help that is up top to help us keep doing it and get access to pbs passport where you can watch shows like the one we just talked about haha corporate synergy um the site and the pod are also on social media we're at televisions blog all one word on facebook and tele underscore visions on twitter come check us out give us a follow leave us some ratings and reviews on the podcast app of your choice we would really appreciate it uh that's our show for this week thanks for joining us welcome to november still i guess i don't know 2021 is going by entirely too quickly and it's making me upset but Anyway, I got boosted. People should get boosted if you are eligible for doing so. It was super easy. My arm hurt for a couple of days, but I was fine. Talk to everybody in your life that may not be vaccinated and encourage them to do so. And wear a mask if you are in large crowds. Other than that, thanks for listening. We will be back next week and see you soon. <laughs>